0: Welcome to NEP On Location. Here we hit the road and have conversations with some of the brightest minds from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more. In this episode, Mark Treglio is on location at Firehouse Expo in Columbus, Ohio, and has a conversation with Andy Starns, a nearly 30-year fire and EMS service veteran and founder of Insight Fire Training, LLC. Andy is a career fire captain in a large metropolitan fire department where he also serves as behavioral health coordinator. His work has been seen in many publications around the world and he serves as a thermal imaging subject matter expert assisting fire departments with purchasing advice, education and training. InSight Fire Training has trained firefighters and thermal imaging industry members across the United States and 20 countries. Andy is the author of the world's first thermography based firefighting thermal imaging certification credentialed by Infrared Training Center.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Mark Treglio, Executive Vice President, of NEP Services, and we are coming to you from Firehouse Expo 2022 in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, my next guest today is uh, somebody who has, when you come in the fire service, you have many different ways you can have your career go. And uh, you find what is your passion, you take it, and you run with it. And in some cases, we have people that have uh, really transcend the fire service with the passion and uh, what they take and give back to the fire service and today I have with me Andy Starnes from uh, Insight Training Mm -hmm. and Andy has uh, in my opinion and uh, we can talk about that I think Andy has revolutionized the fire service by making sure people are aware of the technology that's out there for them and that is through thermal imaging. Andy thanks for joining us today how are you doing?
2: Good thank you sir for having me I appreciate you coming by the booth and inviting me over we're blessed to be here at Firehouse Expo for another year. I think this is our sixth year here. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful for another opportunity and meeting great people like yourself. And we always say we come here to teach, but we learn more from everybody else. So it's a great experience for us. Well, that's great. And one of the things I
1: like is you give back. You have taken a particular genre of the fire service which 20 years ago was not something that was very, it wasn't all over the place. It, it, was, it was almost revolutionary at that point. Mm-hmm. And you've taken it and you've making it a modern piece. Everybody has to have one today in a fire service. It's uh, saved probably thousands of lives over the years. That's thermal imaging. Tell us a little about yourself and how you got involved in that.
2: Well, I appreciate that. But um, like I say, nobody does anything alone. I'm blessed to have an amazing support system. I got into it because of my dad and I've stayed in it because of wonderful support system, but primarily because of my faith and my wife and daughter. They support me on that journey, they're here. I couldn't do anything without Sarah and Emma, and uh, my dad, Joe Starnes. got me into it when I was a kid. I started chasing him around when I was eight. Uh, he was a full-time career guy with at and network disaster recovery. He'd come home, get in the car, and he'd go be the volunteer fire chief. So he committed his life to serving others and never got a dime out of it. He was doing it for the right reasons. Uh, so I got into it early, seeing how, man, this is awesome. Everybody's doing this, and they enjoy it. They're not even getting paid for it. So I thought that will be a great career for me. So I started as a 15-year-old junior firefighter uh, 32 years ago. And uh, then I you know, started it when I got out of high school. I was blessed that my dad introduced me to a guy by the name of Alan Vernacini. Uh, he asked me, he said, what are you going to do when you, when you get out of high school? I said, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree in fire science, and I'm going to try to get on the department. He said, well... You finish your first year of college, I'll get you in as an internship at uh, Phoenix Fire Department. I said, sir, I'm going to a community college, nobody's going to accept me there. I said, I know you guys, you have the Eastern Kentucky Universities, Oklahoma State. He goes, I think I know somebody, You know, <laughs> tongue in cheek. And I did my first year at Central Piedmont Community College, and, and true to his word, he got me an internship there, I went to Phoenix Fire Department, and I was at Fire Station 40 at night, and I worked at the training academy during the day. I was the hey boy, a hey boy do this, hey boy do that. It was an awesome experience. Um, I kept trying. I got hired by Charlotte Fire Department uh, right before my 23rd birthday, uh, four years of trying. You always say, don't get upset if you didn't get the opportunity right away. I'm thankful I didn't get hired when I was 18 because I was not behaving right at that age. I don't know about you, but I didn't really... My dad said, you are a great kid from 0 to 17, but from 18 to 22, I thought about taking you out. <laughs> and uh, so it was a good thing I got hired right around that range, because I think that was when I started be- starting to learn to behave. I'm not saying I was mature yet, but um, so I got hired then and uh, really just started enjoying the ride, learning a lot. I was from a small town. Now I'm in a career department. I went to Station 26 right out of recruit school. That was 24 years ago, going on my 25th year, and uh, just been an amazing ride. And somewhere around 2009 or so, my dad and his friend, Sean Oak got together, and they both had sons in the fire service, and they were talking about how firefighters were continuing to die the same way over and over again in fires. You know, firefighter deaths, thankfully, have gone down in in fires, but unfortunately, if you do the research, we die the same way. And you and I are probably on the same page about behavioral health being another thing that we need to focus on. So they decided what could they do. So they started something called Project Kill the Flashover to educate the volunteers and the combinations on the complicated world of fire behavior. So they had basically three legs of their triangle or their stool, which was fire, controlling the fire through tactical air management, enhanced water streams, and using thermal data to apply that. Well, there wasn't anybody doing the thermal imaging side. So I literally kind of got lumped into that spot and learned from manufacturers and a great guy by the name of Bobby Kyle. He used to uh, be part owner, of ISG, remember them? And uh, got involved there, and next thing I know, I'm doing this, I'm learning, and I'm hanging out with my dad's a great experience. And in 2015, I'm hanging a piece of sheetrock in a house we're supposed to burn. I'm making it safe, and I fall through the floor and rip my knee in half Ooh. and I almost disabled myself. Uh, my wife politely informed me that if I was to leave the house and play thermal imaging instructor, that I had to make it legal that I needed insurance because I was going to get 18% disability for my injuries. So the sole reason I'm sitting here today talking to you, other than the grace of God, is that I got hurt really bad, and my wife said, go make it legal. So I founded Insight Training in 2015, and I realized something that I never knew before. And you've been in the fire service a long time, so tell me this. Did you know that everyone else who holds a thermal imaging camera outside the fire service is required to have 32 hours of training before they're allowed to hold one? I didn't know that. Well, I didn't either. And I went to school. And I went to what basically is called thermography training. So I got my level one. I got my level two. I started learning about HVAC inspections, window inspections, home inspections. And started looking at what the military is doing and and medical science and veterinarian medicine. And all these things they're doing with thermal imaging. And all we were doing was using them for search and overhaul. And we didn't even know what we are looking at. And I I literally went from seven years of learning with my dad and KTF. And I thought I knew a, a little bit about thermal imaging. And I felt like, my, to quote my friend, retired Captain Jimmy Brown, I felt, like a ca- I felt like a caveman holding a flashlight. When I went through my first thermography class, and ever since then it's been a wild ride, we we have trained in all 50 states, we've helped people in 16 different countries, we wrote the first thermography-based curriculum, uh, we, we are working on uh, collegiate-level stuff, we train manufacturers, we help design and assist with development on products, we work with gear manufacturers, anything to do with heat. And I have eight guys who are amazing working with me that are all level one thermography certified or in training to be so. And it's just crazy that something bad happened to me that turned into what you're seeing now that allowed us to meet all these wonderful people. Some of my best friends now are all of the sheer reason that I basically got knocked on my butt and had to start over. And it's been an amazing ride. I'm blessed. I have my wife and daughter with me here. Uh, they've been touring Columbus, going to the zoo. Uh, we're going all over the place together. My daughter's going to be 13. She's been to 24 states. I mean, that is that is phenomenal. I get to be blessed by all these people and learn from them. And it, char- it charges my batteries when I go back to work. So that's the short version. Sorry for being a tad bit long-winded.
1: So. Oh, no that's, no, that's great. How do you compare today's thermal imagers, uh, the knowledge of the fire service, compared to just seven years ago, maybe even before that, how, how, is that, how has it become ingrained in the industry to where it's just, you know what, I have my flashlight, I have my SUBA, I have my thermal imager, where maybe 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. So how has like, the history gone across over the years and the importance of thermal imaging uh, rising in importance in the fire service?
2: Well, it's an interesting thing if you study thermal imaging in general, but the ancient Egyptians knew about the power of heat. They would take uh, someone who had a disease and they would put them in a mud bath. And where the mud dried fastest, they knew the disease was because of heat. Uh, Sir William Herschel discovered infrared energy, and when he discovered it, he was studying the prism, and when he went outside of the visible range, he realized there was an area outside of that that was hotter. And you know what he called that area first? It wasn't infrared. Remember when you were on the job and an old firefighter said, hey, you got heat above you, you don't see it? That's called black fire. You know what Sir William Herschel called it? Yeah. Dark heat. (laughs) So this goes all the way back to the 1800s that, you know, they identified it. Then when you see in the 50s and 60s, it's emerging in the military. And then in the late 90s, it shows up in the fire service. Those things, as you remember, they were huge. You know, they're like a black and white TV on a stick. Yeah. And from there to now, it's phenomenal how much we've changed. But it's also sad how little we've educated. So when you look at Say I'd say somewhere between 2013 and 2015, the image clarity skyrocketed. It went from standard infrared to well, we're going to add infrared, we're going to add image processing or image enhancement. Uh, we got edge detection now. We have we added thermography features such as hot spot, cold spot tracker, and all that stuff is great. But unfortunately, we haven't focused on educating. and I can tell you why. We we participated in a study two years ago with Firehouse Magazine. Since we're here at Firehouse Expo. And we thought it was getting better, and unfortunately, it was getting worse. Fifty percent of the time, the cameras were staying on the charger of the fire truck, and they were not being used. They were still being used in overhaul. They were. Uh, they didn't know the difference between the two main types, which that emerged in that time frame. You got situational awareness cameras that showed up, and you had Decision-making cameras. Well, situational awareness cameras, you've seen the little small ones everybody's using, people were buying them because they were cheaper, and they thought they could get away with, oh, I got one for everybody. Well, those are designed solely to prevent firefighter disorientation. And unfortunately, due to lack of education, uh, some bad sales stuff and tactics, they're trying to push lower resolution, slower refresh rate cameras in firefighters' hands and tell them they can do just as much as they can with a higher resolution decision-making camera. And that's not the case. I mean, you remember your first cell phone? Mm-hmm. You, know, you flip flip phone or book? Take that flip phone and try to do what you do with your iPhone 13. You just can't. You, you don't have the power, the computing power. You don't have the, the phone as far as the cameras changed. So all that has changed, but the education didn't. And that's what rocked my world when I got hurt, when I realized that anecdotal-based fire service education is not good enough. Uh, there's only one thermal imaging training standard out there. There's one that, about how the camera's designed, but the training standards, NFPA 1408, most of them don't even know it exists, And it just says you shall do these things prior to putting in service, shall have written policies, you shall do training one time a year. But They don't even know that. And, and it uses words like shall, like you better do this. And they're like, uh, we don't follow NFPA. Well, I hate to break it to the fire service, but we're getting sued left and right. And they're quoting consensus standards and textbooks. In court and they're making us look like the idiots we are because we don't know our job we are extremely skilled in hose deployment and forcing entry and throwing ladders but ask any firefighter hey have you read the instructions on your turnout gear do what ask any firefighter give me a 15-minute talk on a howling bar jam up they'll give it to you give me a 15-minute talk on that thermal imaging camera here's how you turn it on you read the little number in the bottom right hand corner no do not Firefighters don't even know, most of them don't know that the spot temperature will get them killed. It's not an accurate measurement. It's a a qualitative device. So, yes, we have improved. But, I I quote A.W. Tozer, what if our our gains are but losses spread across a wider field? We've got all this phenomenal technology, but we've got great firefighters who are highly skilled and begging for education and training to use it, and the fire departments won't, won't do it. They don't ever put it at the top of their priority until we show them why it's important from the heart, from the head, and from liability purposes. And I hit all three because I know it's important to do that. But we have to take advantage. We're in the most amazing technologically advanced society in the world, and we have an iPhone that's one terabyte, and I don't even use it to what it's capable of. Why are we not? maximizing our efficiency like the military does and saying technology can enhance our training be a force multiplier. But no, it's being left on the truck and it's not being upgraded either. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you had the older cameras, right? Mm-hmm. When did they get replaced? Over time as money was available. As, 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 as but, what, but was it a priority though? No. No. Wire no. trucks were. Mm-hmm. 80 inch TVs are. I'd even argue
1: with you on that too.
2: Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we got some talking to do. But, yeah. but, but the point of all my rambling is, is we've come a long way, but we're not bringing firefighters with us. We're making better products, and we're sticking stuff on the truck. Pick any product out here and ask them, when they put it on the truck, did they train you first? Uh, it was several weeks later. Uh, it was on Vector Solutions. Uh, you know, A salesman came out and gave him a 30-minute talk. Would you take your kid to a surgeon who had just got a brand-new surgical device and hadn't used it yet and let him cut on your child? You know how many firefighters use a tick in a fire and they hadn't had any training on it, maybe turn it on for the first time and hadn't even seen it, and it just shows up on the truck? A large majority of them. And it's, it's shocking, it's sad, and it's going to come to court when they realize that when they look at line of duty deaths, they're going to be using them improperly, and they did, or they didn't use them at all. And some lawyer is going to say, I can hold them accountable for that, and we need to do better. And I'm calling on the fire chiefs to pay attention. It's not the firefighters' fault. It is us in America not putting the citizens first, their property second, and the firefighter third like we say we do. We don't push sprinklers. We don't push fire prevention. And then when we have a device that helps me find the fire faster or find your loved one faster, we won't upgrade it or train people on it because of we're going to use the basics. Ask any Navy SEAL or sniper if they take a shot with their eyes closed and take their scope away from them. They would tell you you're crazy. So you're gonna fight an enemy in the dark, in a building you've never been in, and you're gonna tell me you're gonna be proficient in it 100% of the time? You're absolutely arrogant and ignorant if you think so. And any firefighter that thinks that is gonna get themselves in trouble. It's a secondary device to help you confirm what you know to simply see the enemy and fight it and then put the thing down. Is technology is not voodoo it's not the end of it you your cell phone fails you all the time doesn't it yeah you quit using it nope nope I hear it all the time well I don't use that thing because it failed me and it's uh, I don't want to rely on technology I said give me your cell phone I'm taking it away for six weeks that looked like my daughter when I ground her from her iPad they put <laughs> their lip out
0: <laughs> you know
2: it's we're so hypocritical in our justification of this stuff and, and I, I just want them to understand I don't want them to be a thermographer. I want them to understand what they see and the importance of using it mm-hmm. for the very mission statement they swore to, to do, which was to protect lives and property. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you, now, you brought up a, a good term earlier. It's maximizing operational efficiency. Yes, sir. And, and I think when people get their, their thermal imaging cameras, they think that, okay, well, the ladder truck will use it for search and rescue, and they'll use it for overhaul. But I'm sure there are seven to ten different things on the fire scene that you could be using your, your thermal imager for. What are some of those other other things besides the
2: basic core, oh, we'll just take it and look Mm -hmm. in the ceiling? We'll quote my good friend Joe DeVito. He says, it's it's more than searching over, right? And really, it's limited to the imagination and the education of the user. If you study industry, you'd be shocked at what they use it for. They detect cancer with it. They do so many different things. But those are specific, quantitative, very expensive and sophisticated devices. We're using things to see heat and anomalies, not temperature. First thing, getting firefighters to understand, it's not designed to read temperatures accurately. Too many variables between you and the target, the camera's not adjustable, and you don't have time to adjust it when you're pushing down a hallway. But when we look at the very common core things on the fire ground, what we push is the company officers, the designated adult, should have a decision-making camera on him or her, and the firefighters on the back should have situational awareness cameras in case they need them, not to put in front of their face. There are secondary means of orientation. They get lost. They get off a hose line or search rope or a wall. That's what it's used to help them regain that. But those are your first two. Let's have them on there, let's have them trained. Let's ha- let's teach them how to properly care for them and, and keep the batteries up, because everybody's like, oh, the batteries suck. Well, I can tell you, we kill the batteries most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then we get into, let's use them. How about size up? Do you know there's an entire industry called building thermologists that get paid really good money to look at your home or a building and tell you where your air is leaking, where your moisture problem is, where your roof has a problem, Maybe your HVAC system's not working. They do all that with only a 20-degree temperature difference from the interior to the exterior, and we don't even use it in size-up thinking we can't see anything. I can spend 16 hours with you showing you customize building a presentation based on your hometown and show you how you can see things in building you never thought you could like where the fire is where it's going where's the cold spot what's the layout between the 360 and the front door you can have a pre-plan in 60 to 90 seconds that's step one step two make an entry you heard this life fire and layout how are you going to do that in zero visibility with your flashlight you got five to seven feet maybe you read smoke you're reading the building that's awesome complete the read read the heat read the layout whether you want to care about looking at the heat or not, you need to know what you're getting into. Is it a nice, neat living room, split bedroom plan, a level four hoarding environment like my friend Ryan Pennington teaches us? What is it? Where am I going? And then where is the fire? Is it to my left? Is it to my right? Is it an arson fire? Is it coming around? Is the ceiling collapse? You can see all that if you take the time to get down, do that, and wipe the lens. Remember when we say this, you wipe your face piece, wipe the lens. I hear firefighters all the time, I went in, the tick was useless. It wiped it out five to seven feet. Tell me more. Well, I was standing up. I was behind the hose team. I said, were you wiping your face piece? Yeah. Did you wipe the lens of the tick? Silence. I didn't know I was supposed to. That's like driving in a blinding rainstorm and not turning your windshield wipers on. It's not going to work. So we we use it for life, fire, and layout. We scan from bottom to top. We see the environment for what it is. Every other tick class tells you go high. Number one, Spider-Man's not coming across the ceiling. Neither is your kid. Life is down low, camera sees better down low, stays in high sensitivity, allows you to see better. And then we look at stream placement. Where am I putting my water? You were on the job a long time. How many times have you ever stretched the line to the wrong place? Yeah. Me, yeah. me, all day long. It How about happens. this one? You ever heard this? We're having trouble finding the fire. What does Project Mayday tell us? One of the, It's like 16 or 20 things they say, a sign of a, mayday, a pending Mayday. Mm-hmm. We're having trouble finding the fire. What if we simply did what you do when you go across that street on the way back to the hotel? You look both ways. What if we simply identified where it is and where we're going to put our stream, where we're going to put our water, and instead of waiting until we're in the fire room, we start erasing heat, not penciling, on the way to the fire, open, flowing, moving nozzle to the target, right? On target, shooting at the heat, cooling walls, ceilings, contents. And then guess what else we can do if we're searching? We're trained to start at the greatest thermal threat near the fire and work back. How do I know that if I can't see the fire in zero visibility event limited? A trained searcher can get a quick two-sided view, maybe a full 360, look, find the fire room, possibly isolate it, start their search back, work from the fire room, adjacent room hallway and two-point egress and per firefighter rescue survey have a huge amount of success in finding those victims if they just did those areas. And all that based on simply doing what? Identifying where I'm going with the camera, and holding it interpret it properly. There's size up, make an entry, fire attack, and search. And we're not gonna get into RIT and MBAs and all the other stuff you can use them for because you had me here way too long. But that's the common things on the fire ground we do every day. But you know what? You can't do that if it's not clipped to you and it's still sitting in the charge of the truck. You know how many times I hear on the radio, we're having trouble finding the fire, send in the tick. What's it supposed to do, sprout legs and go walking in? Mm That, if you're the company officer of the BC, that's your responsibility.
1: I think that's where the training comes in because you you, you, you're you're more you're more adept to take it with you because you've had it in your hands longer.
2: Yes, and you know it's important. Just like you wouldn't leave mm-hmm. your cell phone at home, once you understand the importance, you're going to clip that camera to you. You're going to make sure you have an extra battery in your pocket if possible. You're going to know what what it will do, what it won't do. Mm-hmm. You're going to not over rely on it. You're going to know how to use your your training and use yeah. it as a force multiplier. You're not going to replace you. Paul Combs says it best in his cartoon, I quote, every class. There's no substitute for knowing the basics, but to quote my instructor Thomas Anderson, what are the basics, Mark? In the 1950s, the basics are different than the 2022. Mm -hmm. We face a completely different enemy, a completely different environment, and with completely different staffing now. We need to update the basics. Mm -hmm. We're fighting a modern enemy with 1960s fire behavior knowledge. Don't believe me? Go pick up any textbook and look what they say in the fire behavior chapter. There are still books that tell you not to open the nozzle till you see the fire, that you may steam the victim and upset the thermal balance. It is ridiculous that we have textbooks that are not being peer-reviewed and checked by collegiate-level fire service experts to verify if that information is up to date. But yet, research papers are way above our head and putting out phenomenal information like UL does and several other organizations like Kill the Flashover, but yet we're not taking the time to read them. We'll argue about it on Facebook. Oh, yeah. But how many of them read the 700-page report on the recent search study or, or any of the fire attack studies? How many are chewing through that and digesting it? Very few. I gotta, I'm got blessed I have a lot of good friends like that guy right there that, that knows information and shares it. So that's what we do is we try to take that information, make it digestible, and show the importance in experientially relevant ways. We're not going to talk Ph.D. level. None of mm-hmm. us are. We're blue-collar workers with Ph.D. requirements. But we're going to talk to firefighters at their level. We're going to teach them the importance. We're going to teach them the why. And we're going to show them how to use it and pray that they go further with that knowledge. But that's our goal. Is it, we want it to be commonplace. Mm-hmm. Technology is, like I said, it's not voodoo. It's not myth. And it's, it's getting more and more incorporated in everything we do. And the more we resist it, as to quote my friend John Dixon, we're going to be like the guy left to hold hold the bag of oats to feed the horse, but there's no horse to feed. Mm-hmm. We're going to be a dinosaur. We have to adapt and become what we call intelligently aggressive in our mindset, in our skill set, in our understanding. And that doesn't mean we're not going to be aggressive interior firefighters. We're going to be more aggressive. We're going to go right to the target. We're going to go right to your family. We're going to put your house fire out faster. Who in their right mind wouldn't want to do that?
1: Who? Yeah. Now, you've really carried the torch in when it comes to making sure thermal imaging is a priority in the fire service we and, try. and really you, you you carry that water for the fire service I'll, I'll say it you're you're very humble and, and don't like to yeah you know, hey it's not me it's it's all of us and and mm-hmm. and I love that but uh, I'll step up and say it. I see it all the time on social media you're you're at all the shows you're doing everything you can you're on the road constantly mm-hmm. like you talk about We've done a great job of getting the thermal imagers on the trucks. Mm-hmm. What are, if I'm here and I'm getting and I'm going to the fire station after I hear this, and now I'm going to pay special attention to the thermal imager? What are some classes out there that I need to take beyond just the okay? It's out of the box at the fire station. They put <laughs> it on the truck, and we played with it Sunday after breakfast where where do I go? How does, how does insight training come in here? What are some of the classes that people can look up to advance their, their education on it?
2: Well, number one, we're just a piece of the puzzle. We're not the answer. We take all the wonderful people teaching here. You put all their pieces together, we complete the picture, right? So I always challenge people. I say, go out and read. Look up stuff. Don't just believe me. Don't just do what we ask you to do. There's so many great people out there teaching, and when you talk about thermal imaging, there's my friend Joe DeVito, there's Mike Daly, and, and uh, John Dixon, there's a lot of people out there that are teaching, they're doing good work. I'm not discrediting or invalidating them, because I, I studied the guys at SafeIR when I started. Safe IR was the godfather of thermal imaging. We're, there's always someone that you're standing on the shoulders of, right? Mm-hmm. You know, So we're just, we're just carrying on and building upon that legacy of people that have done phenomenal work in the past. I would think that, A, read what's already been published in a lot of things, but don't just read fire service stuff. Look at the stuff we publish that's free on our blog, and look at some of the references that we cite. Look at, when I do a presentation, I cite where it came from. I want them to look it up and read the research behind when their SCBA mass failed, when that victim experienced a critical burn in their trachea. Look at our free blog. Look at our free YouTube channel that has 700 videos on it, organized by brand, subject matter, all of that. Look at that. We have a private Facebook group that we not, I don't allow any garbage on. There's 7,000 members with over a thousand topics on it called tactical thermal imaging with files on it for free. Everything I have, they can get if they would look. And then I even have a Patreon account for five bucks a month. They can go and watch pre-recorded webinars. So there's no excuse for not getting them basic information like I want, I want to learn about, say, you got a Fleer K55 or you got a Bullard NXT. We have it custom-tailored to each one, but you need to start with, as Rick Lasky says, hey, Chief, I'll get my saw, it'll crank. Well, let's start with your camera. What camera do you have first? Do you know your camera? Do you know how it works? Do you know the key attributes of it, the field of view? The, do you know the, the temperature modes, when it engages? Do you know the resolution of your camera, the capabilities of it? Do you know when it shows color and why? And what color palettes does it offer? Because some of them offer some pretty crazy color palettes that are not necessarily indicative for the fire ground. Do you know how the distance from you to the target affects you and things in between you? And do you know the power of emissivity as far as the subject itself you're looking at? If it's a shiny surface and how that can affect you and that you don't need to be relying on that spot temperature for accuracy, that a camera can lead you astray. If you don't know what more about what you're looking at than what you're looking through, you're gonna be in trouble. The line we use in class all the time is if you are if you are constantly studying building construction like my friend Christopher Naum and fire behavior like from the guys from Kill the Flashover, then thermal imaging will help you. But if you don't do that and you pick up a thermal imaging camera and you're not fundamentally sound, it's going to become an overpriced flashlight and a detriment and get you hurt or worse. And that's what happens to most of them. So let's start with understanding your device and then once we get the groundwork laid, of understanding your device and what all that means. Like if you read a map, at the bottom of a map is, is what, a key, a legend, or a scale? That's there for a reason. H- half of them don't even know what the symbols mean and why the camera shows throws a triangle in the upper left-hand corner. And to wipe the lens, and here's my personal favorite, don't point it at the sun. You know, I come out of a fire, I throw it on the ground, I pick it back up two minutes later, and the center of the screen's all black because I was pointing the sun, I ruined it. All kind of different things that... They don't know because no one's ever took the time to share it with you. So let's start with the basics of it, and then we move into size up, fire attack, and search, and how that will help you. Then we do a whole thing on preventing firefighter disorientation, using those situational awareness cameras I mentioned at the beginning to help you if we ever get separated, right? Mm -hmm. But they got to have the basics on their device first. And sadly, the salesperson, most of them don't provide a whole lot of training. There's a couple out there that I really, really like. Uh, Mike Chatman from Fleer is phenomenal manfred King from Bullard is awesome uh, seek starting to do some training uh, but a lot of them don't offer any more than turn it on turn it off battery changes warranty that's not helping them in their application mm-hmm. right would you I mean would you want to run a k12 based on here's how you put fuel in it and here's how you turn it on and off okay. don't, don't you need to know about the blades and how it goes on and you know how you hold it, what you don't do.
1: What blade cuts what? Yeah, what blade
2: <laughs> cuts what? More importantly, right, <laughs> right. I mean, we we're we're working in a dangerous environment. Shouldn't we get the training first? And NFPA fourteen hundred eight says you shall be trained on it before it's placed in service. Ask how many fire departments put the ticks on the truck and then train them afterwards. It's common. It's not a good thing. But let's get to training. and Let's get them out there. Whether it's very basic, you know, webinar based. But in my opinion, if you're not doing training with heat, then you're doing them a disservice. Because if you buy a camera based on what you see in this show floor, you are going to be disappointed, injured, or worse when you go into a fire with it. Because you don't know how it performs. That's why when we do our orientation burns, we put three cameras side by side and let them look. We don't sell cameras. We show them and let them, they pick them up. They got to go back and use whatever brand they use. I I like to take three of them, mush it together, and make my perfect one. But there is no perfect
1: one. I think that's important, though, that you're not peddling a certain camera. No. You're just industry-wide. This is the theory. I'm a thermal imaging
2: consultant, and I don't get commission off sales because if I Mm -hmm. do, firefighters will no longer listen to me. Yeah. Right? Because then I'll push one brand or the other. Do I like certain brands better than others? Sure. I like three of them. I really like them a lot. Mm -hmm. But each one has some pros and cons. And I'll tell you that. Because just like my wife knows, there's no perfect man, and I ain't no perfect husband. and mm-hmm. you know, I'm a work in progress, and I think the manufacturers are doing that, too. There's a lot of them working hard to change things. And I challenge the firefighters to give good feedback to their whatever they're dealing with mm-hmm. to those manufacturers, and hopefully they'll listen to them and improve the product. We need more people like Dennis Laguerre, who's revolutionized the hose industry. We need people who are pushing to change you know, the way we do things with turnout gear and, and cancer stuff, like my friend Webb Marshall. There's a lot of people out there doing great work. But we need more of those innovators being end-user champions with the manufacturer. And the manufacturer needs to start learning this. If they don't start listening to their customer, they're going to go out of business.
1: And that, and that was leading me to my next question was, how you talked about how engineers were using thermal imaging. And how much has the fire service been able to get in there and get with the thermal imaging people and say, we needed to do this, this, and this for us? I mean, I can't do we speak, really have a big voice in that, in that arena of development I can't the speak on yet?
2: prior to me. Uh, I know some of that, but it wasn't my experience, so I don't comment on those things. I know that there was a lot of involvement early on, uh, but then there seemed to have been like a Rip Van Winkle phase where it used to be when you bought a camera, the manufacturer paid a company to provide you training, and then that kind of went away. And then what's the smallest budget in every department? Training. But that they want you to perform like gold medal athletes and give you this much money to do it. So now I'm seeing a resurgence of it. But unfortunately, I don't think, but maybe two two of them, really, honestly, uh-huh. are putting the effort into getting their consumer educated. Because I think David Eskew, my friend from Milliken, says it best. I am not interested in either knowledge or in innovation without both. I need innovation and education. Because if you have an innovative product and an uneducated user, are they going to appreciate it?
1: They're not going to get the best out of it. No,
2: my mother-in-law refused to get an iPhone until she couldn't get texts from her grandbabies. Then we took her to Verizon. She spent a 45-minute class with Verizon on how to use her iPhone. Good luck getting that iPhone back from her now. Mm -hmm. And she's got rheumatoid arthritis, moving that thing around, doing stuff I can't even do. But she knows how to use it in a 45-minute class. Mm -hmm. Why are fire departments not spending more time, not even necessarily money? You could train a handful of your guys and gals to go train your whole department. You don't have to have us train everybody. That's the cop out. You need your people to be educated. We need discipleship models, right? I need to train this group and they go train that group. It's about legacy. It's not about me or my guys. We gotta continue this. So as far as education and training is getting better, but that's something I'm investing a lot in. I mean, when you talk about going to conferences and doing, I mean, we give a lot back. I mean, people think that this is easy thing to do. It's not. You know, There's a huge cost to, as you know, running a business and having guys and equipment and all that. They don't give you this stuff for free. There's a, there's a lot in that, and it's a ridiculously expensive process, and you have to have insurance and you have to play the conference game and make everybody happy and, and, and hopefully be appreciated in the process, but you're not always appreciated. Mm-hmm. You want to make a difference, and when you see that young firefighter or even that old firefighter Light up, or they get an appreciation for it, or their spouse comes up and thanks you. To me, that's a payday. That's huge. When you when the guy says I was able to locate the victim, or I found my way out, or the wife thanks you because they got home. No better paycheck. Mm -hmm. Do you have one or two,
1: maybe three instances where you've provided a thermal imaging training, and you've got a report back that there was this one incident and. Lives were saved because of the, the proper use of the thermal imager. There, there's, is there any one of them that stands out that you're really like, wow? I'm sure there's hundreds, but I mean, one well, or two that stands out.
2: I started collecting uh, comments from classes about a year ago. I should have been doing it before, but it's just, you know, you've got too much stuff to keep up with. And the thing that blew my mind is some of the things that people have said um, you know, uh, we were in Georgia in March at the Bears of the Oath Conference and I got more feedback from those firefighters that went to that event. Within two weeks they rescued somebody in a hoarding environment. Someone made another grab. One called me and sent me 1st in video of this four or five thousand square foot house. He said, I've never been able to clear a house as fast. As I did because of what you showed me, I was able to get in. I'm on the rescue without a hose line. We went above the fire, around, got back, and cleared things. Got a dog out before the first line was in play. And it, they're searching; they're not just scanning rooms and calling it good. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's that's huge. That and I saw the amount of fire that they they were under, and it was like a garage fire pushing in on a bonus room. And just, I, I just, and then the ones that that send you messages that say, you know they were in a mayday situation and they were able to find their way out or or that they were able to do something simple like we teach them to turn the camera sideways and they saw something that helped them catch that one thing that made a difference that's what sticks out to me and you know rescues are phenomenal but for me the fact that the firefighter was using it instead of leaving it on the truck is the first big win and the second win is they they had a positive impact and then they shared it see that's what I really want because I want to teach someone, and I want them to teach them better than I did. And then it's exponential. So what stands out is the fact that when we have students that go back and share it with a handful or their whole department, and it spreads. And we're not giving them anecdotal information. I challenge them. I say, take anything that we have, look it up. It's reviewed by manufacturers, Kill the Flashover, and a lot of other people to make sure that I'm giving you information that's science-based, thermologist-approved, and manufacturers have said, "Yes, this is true based on our product," because I don't want to risk your life on my opinion or my flawed experience, which could be even worse, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I've learned that the hard way. So, yeah, it stands out, but it's it's coming to places like this, teaching a class, and then literally within a few weeks, you'll get a comment or two that'll just say, "That whole week and all the money we spent and the time away from home was worth it because that made a difference in that person's life." Mm-hmm.
1: As we close out here. I want to take the opportunity. You talked about your Facebook group. You have talked about the, the the blog that you have. Here's your chance. How do people access that training? Your website address, your blog, sure. all that.
2: Now I've given you my card too. You can post it if you'd like. But mm-hmm. uh, our website's insighttrainingllc.com. You can keep up with events that we post on there, where we're going to be next, and you can also look on our. It's a blog. If you click on that, every article there is basically was written because the the same question got asked a lot. So we realized a lot of firefighters had the same questions. Instead of just generally answering them over and over again, we made really intense articles with videos and links and where they can learn more. So that's, that's a free resource to them. Our YouTube channel, Insight Training LLC, has got almost 700 videos. 400 of them are my videos organized by subject matter, uh, brand type, and we're updating those. We have a private Facebook group where you can learn called Tactical Thermal Engine. If you join it, you gotta answer two questions because I prove you're not a robot. I don't put up with spam or any garbage, political, whatever, going after people. I just block you, delete you, done. I don't have time for that. I'm 47 years old and got a family. I don't have time to edit and argue with people on Facebook. We'll talk in person. If you don't have the courage to talk to me in person, I don't want to talk to you anyway. Right? You know, so uh, we got that. And then we also have a subscription channel. It's like five bucks a month, our Patreon channel. You can watch all of our old pre-recorded webinars we've done in other departments. So you got all that right there. And that's all if you'll look at it. It's Insight Training, Tactical Thermal Imaging, or Insight Fire Training. You'll find it wherever you look. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Unfortunately, we're on TikTok, which I don't get on it because I told my wife I stay off of it, and I do. I post it and get away from it. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. We have a company page and a personal page. And then we do a lot of articles. We're in Joey Baxter, one of my instructors, and me are in the September issue at this, this here at Firehouse. We have two articles published, "The Seven Deadly Sins of Tick Use and Getting a Better Image with joey's thing on size up and then previous to that john lightly one of my instructors wrote a great article on respect the rebound on fire attack um you know we have i have some really amazing guys that i work with that are even more passionate about specific subjects within that Mm -hmm. and they keep me fired up i challenge you to come out talk to them reach out to us ask your question we'll be glad to share everything we have with you We'll answer your question in a timely manner. If we don't know the answer, we'll we'll look it up. We'll find it. We're not going to lie to you. You know, we don't know everything. We'll, we will seek it out, and, and that's our goal. That's why the company's called Insight. I don't have it. I surround myself with wise counsel and, and pray it rubs off and, and seek it out constantly. You know, it's a constant education. So, yeah, those are all available there, and then our training stuff they can check out online on our website too. But we want them to get more information, and I can't do that by hoarding it are keeping it from them. A lot of people's like, oh, they're gonna steal it from you. Good news that firemen steal stuff all the time. And somebody's gonna steal my PowerPoint, they're gonna go out and try to copy it. That's fine, it's on them. I can't lose sleep about that anymore. I just want them to do it right way and not get someone hurt. That's my biggest concern. It's not legal, trademark, copyright, is are you teaching something that will cause them to get hurt? And that's my concern. So, and that's why I spend so much time reviewing this because Any fire service camera, you can come over to our booth, and we'll answer a question about it. Why? Because we're the weirdos that read the instructions. So we'd be glad to answer those questions for you. Reach out to us. You can share my phone number, email, all that in in that if you'd like, Uh, and we'll be glad to help you. Thanks again for the opportunity.
1: we Will do. First of all, thank you, Andy, for coming on today, and thank you for your contributions to the fire service. It's been measurable, and uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll have more on NAP Media coming up soon. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for tuning in to NEP On Location and Mark Treglio's conversation with Andy Starnes. Remember to subscribe to NEP On Location wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And you can reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. And for the latest ideas and information from around the world of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more, please visit our website at nepmedia.net.